Every t-shirt tells a story. There's no better time than now to create a custom-designed t-shirt and make a difference. Our friends at Underground Printing make it easier than ever to start a t-shirt fundraiser for your charity, school, business, or any cause you support. All you have to do is design your shirt, share why you are raising, and then share your campaign. They will ship the orders direct and send along the funds you raise. Underground actually created the I Am Norman t-shirts, which supported the United Way of Norman, and it was very easy to set up. Just visit pogo.undergroundshirts.com to learn more about how you can create your own t-shirt fundraiser today. That's pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hello and welcome to I Am Norman, a podcast about the great city of Norman, Oklahoma. Well, I'm originally a Normanite. I'm a Norman girl. I've always looked at Norman as just a fabulous place. I had a great childhood here. And I am a Norman girl. I mean, born and raised from day one, Norman, Oklahoma. I haven't lived anywhere as long as I've lived here. So I call Norman home now, and it's a, it's a great place to live. I'm Zach Logsdon, and I hope you'll join me each episode as we hear the stories of the amazing people, businesses, philanthropies, and upcoming events in Norman, and what makes our big little city so great. I love that in Norman, I am part of something that's so much bigger than me. I just think that the people here in Norman are extremely generous. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Nothing loves anything the way Norman loves Norman. The I Am Norman podcast is brought to you by Norman Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. When your home or business needs cold air or hot water, Call Norman Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing at 405-823-9641 or visit them online at normanair.com. Hello, Normanites, and welcome to another episode of the I Am Norman podcast. Our guest today, someone uh, you all know probably or have heard of or have at least eaten in his restaurant before, uh, very, a very popular eatery here in uh, the great city of Norman. Um, we have with us today Brady Sexton, owner of Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Brady, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. Oh, I'm flattered to be here. Thank you so much. So as we do with all our guests, Brady, uh, jump in by uh, just sharing a, a bit about your history, uh, you, your family, and and uh, what what brought you to Norman or how long you've been here, all that good stuff. Yeah, thanks. I was born <clears throat> at Norman Regional Hospital in 1979. My parents met at OU. My dad was on faculty and my mom was just starting her master's degree. Um, so I've been in Norman my whole life. My folks have been here. Um, for a long, long time. Um, I've got uh, many brothers. Um, <laughs> I say that because I've got a half brother and an adopted brother. Gotcha. And so there's, there's, <laughs> there are five of us total. Oh, wow. Um, I have uh, three kids of my own. My daughter's at, at Norman High uh, as a junior. And then I've got an eighth grader and a third grader um, boys. So, um, I've never left here, never lived anywhere else. I have been here forever. 
So uh, what about Norman? I mean, so many people, at least, uh, that grow up here, they'll get away for a little bit. I've talked to a lot of guests that uh, that go away and come back, uh, but you, uh, you're you one of the that never left. What is it about Norman that has made it a place that you never really had a desire to, to get away from? Uh, sure, yeah. For me, uh, specifically, it's just I, I went to OU. It was the most natural you know thing for me. My parents went there. My um, grandparents went there. My even my great great grandmother has a degree from from OU. So um, there, I think there are eighty something degrees um, from the University of Oklahoma in my family, um, and the majority of them by far on, are by women, which was really cool for me growing up to see so many educated, strong women in my life. Um, and it's just it's always been a really fun place. We've always been involved in the arts. Uh, when I was younger, my mom worked at uh, the firehouse. She worked at the Jacobson. Um, Native American Arts Museum. Um, so she's always been involved in the arts, which means we were all involved too. Um, so I think as far as what specific one thing makes Norman uh, special besides the university is the arts and the culture. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely something that's unique to Norman that you don't see in a lot of towns this size, especially in, in this part of the country. Uh, so really cool, the, the, uh, the amount of support that Norman gives to the arts. Um, I, I do, I want to talk a lot about you, your, your restaurant. It's, um, you know, we, we've, um, one question we always ask on this podcast is that, uh, uh, if you, if you can go anywhere to get a bite to eat, uh, or cocktail, where are you going to go and what are you going to get? And, and one of the, one of the most popular answers, uh, people always say, uh, they want to go to scratch and they want, then they talk about their favorite cocktail. A lot of people talk about the old fashioned me personally, I, I've told people all over the country when I travel around, I said, you can't get a better whiskey sour anywhere in the world than you can at a place on oh, Main yeah. Street in Norman called Scratch. Uh, so uh, a lot of people around here, uh, big, big fans uh, of the restaurant. Uh, and I want to get into all of those things to talk about Scratch. Before, though, before we get into too many details about Scratch, what, talk about your career that led up to uh, launching Scratch and what you made you want to get into the restaurant business to begin with. Oh, cool. That's, that's really easy. Um, I, I, my first job, I mean, I've worked since I was 13, I worked at my uncle's music store down on gray street, um, fixing clarinets and trombones and stuff in the summers. And then early in college, um, once the hours there didn't really match up with my college course schedule, I had to find another job and I started bussing tables at what was called red river ranch, um, now it's now it's a lumber liquidators I think. Um, <laughs> okay. but there were many restaurant concepts there, but it was a Housemith restaurant. Um, you know, I found myself managing uh, part time for them within maybe a year, year and a half. Um, so I went from busboy to server to shift leader to, and then another concept opened. I worked in the kitchen at Pearls, you know, shucking oysters, mm-hmm. um, making salads, and then was managing the kitchen there. Um, and just really worked my way up through that company and worked in a bunch of different um, concepts from from very casual to extreme fine dining at Mahogany um, Prime Steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Once my kids um, got a little older and started into school, um, I really I, I really needed a job that was more eight to five ish. So I started um, uh, managing oil and gas leasehold acquisitions for different brokerages um, in the metro area. You know, our clients were the big ones, Chesapeake and Devon, um, Sandridge and some of the others. So really got to know that business inside and out for about eight years. Um, I really didn't enjoy it that much. The, 
the culture of it isn't, isn't really up my alley. Um, the work was fun. It was exciting. Uh, I was good at it. I learned a lot of multitasking skills in the restaurant industry, which allowed me to manage more projects at once than most people did. So um, really got to make a good living for a while there. And then uh, Sarah Kaplan, you know, she, we were friends mm-hmm. for, for, since high school and she knew my long-term dream. And when they decided to close um, Native Roots Market downtown, they texted me before, you know, before they really made it public. And uh, I got to start working on a lease um, and stuff with them. And I, I couldn't tell you exactly how in the world I made it happen. Um, but somehow came up with enough money to get the lease and, and start building it out with my dad. So that's kind of how it happened. That's awesome. What, so what was it about, uh, that was so appealing, I guess, about the restaurant industry? I mean, you, you, you had uh, you kind of talked about what you didn't necessarily love about, about the oil and gas uh, field. But what was it? What is it about serving food and drinks uh, that, that is, is so appealing to you? Um, you know, a lot of times I feel almost like the instant gratification that maybe an artist gets when they finish a painting or a, a woodworker gets when they finish a, a you know, a, a, a piece of furniture, mm-hmm. um, anything like that, any, any, anybody that works with their hands and likes to see a tangible result, you know, in front of them. And, and we get to do that a hundred times a day yeah. um, with cocktails and food. So that part's really fun. Then just the service, the, the service aspect, hospitality came very natural to me. I'm, I try to be positive all the time. I try to, um, you know, really just not let anything get me down. And that really helps you thrive in, in an industry fast paced, like the restaurant industry. Um, I just really enjoyed it from the first, from the first table I bust. I just, I just loved the hustle and bustle of it. And, you know, I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do eventually um, for my long-term career. So where did this concept come from? Because it's not, it's, it's not like you see, you, you could have opened any number of things uh, and, and, and this, this part of the country, Norman, uh, you know, Oklahoma in general, uh, there, there's no, uh, there's no shortage of Mexican food restaurants or, or just you know, straight up American, you know, burger joints or pizza joints. Scratch is very unique and, and very popular as a result of its uniqueness. Where, where did you come up with the concept uh, to do the craft cocktail? And 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 I don't know if farm to table is is an accurate term or if that's something you use, but it seems kind of farm to table esque uh, the way you present everything there. Uh, where where did all that come? How did all that come together? Um, well, it goes back to my first real cocktail. It's it's hard to realize that I worked in the industry in Oklahoma for such a, a, a incredibly successful group, the House Smith Group. Um, and, and never had a real cocktail, you know, for a decade. Um, they just weren't in, really in existence. They hadn't made a, a comeback yet. Um, so I went to Chicago one time. My, my best mate from high school um, is an architect, and he's in the D.C. area now. But at the time, he was in Chicago. And uh, I looked up a, another buddy of mine from Norman that, you know, I grew up two doors down from, Ira Koplowitz, and uh, just texted him and said, hey, wh- what are you, where are you working? I know you're, I, I know you're in Chicago. Your mom told me. And he was at a place called the Violet Hour, <clears throat> and I he got us a, 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 an entry time. It, it was a speak, true speakeasy, no no sign outside, and mm-hmm. went inside and they they cracked an egg white into a drink, and I just I, I was I was blown away. <laughs> I mean, it was a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. This is you know this is this is fifteen twelve to fifteen years ago. I couldn't remember exactly the date, but quite a while ago, and that wasn't happening anywhere. So I knew then that eventually I was going to open a restaurant that served real cocktails. Cause it just, 
blew my mind. Yeah. Ira went on to found Bitter Cube, um, which is now in Milwaukee and makes handcrafted uh, bitters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kept up with him ever since then. And he consults with bars around the world. Um, you know, when you said the whiskey sour is the best you can get in the world, you're not, you're not off at all on that. <laughs> this, this is a world-class, a world-class bar program. And I have no trouble saying that because I say it with humility. It's, it's Ira and Bittercube that brought that to Norman. Uh, we were just kind of the, the, the avenue for them to do that. We, and we kept it going. But he came and trained us all. On our first menu, we had eight cocktails. You know, I think our biggest cocktail menu, we have had 75 or more um, that the bartenders have to have memorized. So mm-hmm. uh, we've grown it into a huge, huge program. It's really hard to manage. Um, we, we're lucky to have some really good people that do that for us. But um, it came from that. It came from wanting real cocktails and then trying to make a food program to match it. And the cool thing about Scratch is it's 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 not defined as any one type of cuisine. Um, so we can, we can really take our liberty and freedom to do whatever we want with dishes. And we've got some very French inspired sauces. We have um, some very Southwest, you know, some of our most popular items and our newer items are more Southwest in nature, um, even South American a little bit. So we're, we're really um, just trying to do whatever we like that we think is fun for our taste buds. So you kind of touched on this. I, I don't know if there's if you can go more in depth about what makes your cocktails, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a step above. You talked about the bitters. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm sure you use only the finest ingredients. Any any uh, anything else that you throw in there about what why your eight to seventy five different cocktails are so much better than anywhere else you can get around here? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll take a. a a stab at it. We, we aim for balance and that sounds really simple. Um, but we, you know, bitter cube has gone so far as to, to, to look up the, the oldest recipes for all of these classics. Um, and then also realize that people's taste buds have changed over time and what tasted, um, balanced in the 1920s, thanks to the, uh, the sugar overload in America, they, those cocktails taste really bitter right now and they're not good. Um, and it's, we're not, we're not going to cause diabetes or anything with our cocktails. We're talking a quarter ounce more simple syrup in a lot of these recipes, just a very, very small tweak. Mm-hmm. So that when you taste it, it doesn't taste sweet, but it also doesn't taste bitter. Um, I love to use an example. You know, we were, we were probably the uh, second cocktail bar in the, in the Metro. Um, the one that was first, I, I went to a few years after we opened and had a cocktail that had tobacco tincture in it. And I thought that'll be really cool and, you know, nice little, you know, random flavor that I wouldn't be used to. And I tasted it and it tasted like an ashtray. And I think a lot of cocktail bars get sucked down this um, rabbit hole of trying to be cool and trying to do something cutting edge and, and, and just wild. And that's all well and good. But when it doesn't taste good at the end of the, the day mm-hmm. and it's not a good balanced cocktail, then it just defeats the purpose. Um, so we have some really, really complicated cocktails with some really, really cool ingredients. When we did a, a carrot syrup last wow. fall and winter uh, for cocktail, but you know, it also didn't taste like you were eating a carrot. It was a, it played a part in a much more balanced cocktail. So um, I think the the one word is balance, and that comes from Bitter Cube, and that's where they really hang their hat. So talk about the the old fashioned because I know that's a that's actually I think the the one that gets mentioned on the podcast most uh, from people that that 
that love your restaurant. They, they love the old fashioned. And I've seen uh, no shortage of social media posts about, you know, the actual bottled uh, old fashioned that people can buy, uh, you know, uh, on its own. You don't, you don't see that a lot. I don't go into a lot of uh, liquor stores and, and see a bottled old fashioned. Where, where did the idea come about to actually bottle that up and sell it separately? And uh, I, I mean, I guess you're, you're having all kinds of success with that, uh, with, with, you know, that, that seems very, very popular. Is that the case? Yeah. I mean, right now it's just in Oklahoma. Um, okay. Oklahoma's, you know, not a huge uh, market. So it, we're, we're, we're doing really, really well for how young we are and for being in just one state. Um, mm-hmm. So our plans are obviously to grow that um, into hopefully all 48 states and 50 and beyond eventually. But um, we, uh, where it came from, we used to sell bitter cube bitters. We, we still do. And we would sell bitters to people. We would sell them a little bit of the sugar that we use or the syrup that we use um, and to help them make them at home. We, we were very big on, you know, home cocktail bars. We want to, if you are a guest of ours and you want, we will do everything we can to help you, you know, further your home cocktail. Cause we, we just think it creates a, a, um, just a friendship with the restaurant that you're going to keep coming back to, even as you drink, you know, finer things at home, we still expect you'll come back to our bar to talk about more of them. Um, but anyway, we would try to send people home with all this stuff and they would just come back and say, it didn't taste quite <laughs> as good as it did at scratch, no matter how, tr- how hard they tried. And, uh, you know, we stir them a precise to a, to a precise dilution that you get just enough water in the cocktail. Um, and we use, you know, we measure everything every time to make sure it's consistent um, so for the bottled cocktail, we just decided to to make it the perfect old fashioned that we've been making as close as we possibly could. And and it's not the exact same. It's got some essence of orange and grapefruit in it to replace the, mm. you know, the garnishing that we do at the bar mm-hmm. where we express the grapefruit oils all over the cocktail. Um, they're already in there. So it's, it's made to just pour on ice and enjoy. So it's a little bit different, but the, 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 the bitter cube bitters are irreplaceable. They're just the best in the world. Um, and then the muscovado sugar that we use, a really, really dark cane sugar from um, the island of Mauritius, um, is just, you know, it's it's a cost that most people aren't, most restaurants aren't willing to pay. It's so much more expensive than other sugars. Yeah. Um, but we just do it because it makes the best, the best old-fashioned. We only use a, a, a quarter ounce of that syrup in, in an old-fashioned. Oh. That's how strong and, and wow. sweet that yeah. sugar is. It's just, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it it, uh, it certainly is. Uh, you know, we we spent a lot of time talking about cocktails. I got one last question uh, about those, and then we can we get to get to some other stuff. But we've talked about the old fashioned. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the whiskey sour. If I'm if you if you're talking to somebody walking into your into your uh, restaurant today that wants to try something uh, that may be out of the ordinary that you love uh, that's on the menu currently, what are you what are you recommending right now that's out of this world besides what we've already gone over? Um, yeah, we really try to push people towards the sooner cobbler, which, um, a a cobbler is just a a cocktail with muddled berry. Um, so we've had a a version of it on every menu for, you know, over seven years now. So at least 14 or 15 iterations of the sooner cobbler, all different. We've had gin, vodka, whiskey. Um, it's a really good way to get people who've never had cocktails to try a cocktail. Um, and then the, the whiskey smash is kind of our, you know, we always try to move people towards whiskey bourbon whiskey is 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 such an american thing that you know isn't replaced anywhere you know it's not duplicated anywhere in the world and it's a shame when we hear people that don't just don't they don't like whiskey or they don't like bourbon and it's just kind of like 
and this is so American. You've got to, you've got to learn how to love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we, the whiskey smash has a, a maple syrup, brown sugar syrup in it. Mm. Um, it's got mint and lemon. And so it's just a really refreshing, um, whiskey drink that really can introduce people to, to bourbon for the first time. And that's a big deal for us. That sounds amazing. Um, I'm going to try that next time, next time I come by. <laughs> it's really good. Um, let's talk about your food a little bit. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same question. I've, I've had about everything you got on the, on your menu. Is there something that, something new you're offering or is an, an old favorite, uh, that, that you like to recommend above everything else? Um, I mean the, I have so many friends whose birthday or anniversary dinner does, you know, always includes the flank and fries, um, our, our marinated flank steak is a, we've always used an organic, um, product. So the really high quality beef, um, and then, uh, the Burr Rouge, the red wine butter sauce that we top that with people just love it. And that's, that's been on our menu forever. And I mean, it's just a, an iconic dish for our, our regular guests. Um, the new, one of the newest dishes is two bone in, um, pork chops with a Colorado chili sauce on top. So mm. we've, we've made a chili syrup for the bar for a long time. And we were, we were just, um, trashing the, the solid waste after we use these dehydrated peppers to make the syrup. And I just decided to keep those and let's add a few more ingredients and make a sauce out of the, the solid leftovers. So we, we, we make the, the chili syrup for the bar with the, with the tea, we call it a tea, basically the water that's, you know, been infused with all those flavors. And then we make a, a Colorado, spicy Colorado chili sauce for the pork chops. And I, I think it's amazing. That sounds great. So uh, this, this may be a weird question, but it just cr- occurred to me that are, are, are you intentional with your, you know, when you're coming up with new menu items, whether on the cocktail side or the food side, is it, is it like, oh, hey, it's been six weeks, we got to add something? Or is it more like kind of like whenever the mood strikes you to come up with something or you, you, you try something at another restaurant or you, you see these leftover uh, chilies or whatever it is that, that is, is it, is it, I guess my question is, is it intentional or is it more kind of fly by the seat of your pants? Do it, do it when the mood strikes. If, if both is a fair answer, I'll say both. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, some, sometimes it's seeing, sometimes it's seeing something like, you know, wasting something that could be turned into something delicious. Sometimes it is trying something somewhere, especially traveling outside of the state. Um, and wanting to bring it back. Um, but oftentimes it's like you said, it's just kind of feels like it's been too long since we've, since we've added something new. And so we'll print up sales reports and, and figure out what's not selling well and, um, and have some fun coming up with something new. So it's a, it's a little bit of both. Part of it's just, yeah. When, when, uh, opportunities there, or when, when you get inspired by something, um, and then part of it's just wanting to always be fresh and, have something new for a guest that's been coming, you know, five, six times a year. Um, we don't, we want them to be able to try something new. So I can't, uh, can't let you, uh, uh, can't get, do a, do a podcast interview with a, a restaurant tour without bringing up the, uh, the fact that the pandemic obviously has, uh, weighed heavily on the restaurant industry. Um, I'm sure uh, you guys have not uh, escaped without without some uh, some effects from that. Uh, talk about that a little bit, uh, and some of the things you've done over the past few months to try to change, adapt, keep things going, and and honestly, you, you know, tell us how things are going uh, in that regard. Sure. Um, you know, we're we're still we haven't done one week of sales that's been even uh, 50% of what our sales were, you know, pre COVID. So 
it's been um, running a business with less than half of of your you know regular income. Mm-hmm. Um, the the PPP loan definitely helped at that early stage. Um, we we actually got fortunate um, to to get. I have a great banker who got me really on it really fast. I got mine early and and did exactly what I was supposed to. I put eighty percent of it to to staff um, and twenty percent to the landlord mm-hmm. and uh, really just. Um, made sure to, to do that the right way so it could be forgiven. And that kept us afloat for a while. Um, once that was gone and we had to start paying staff out of our pocket again, uh, we had to get really creative. I, I, you probably saw that um, through through that time, we, we did give out some free food once a week. We were doing meals. Mm-hmm. Um, um, on Mondays, we were, um, we were delivering meals to anyone that was in this Facebook message. We did that quite a few times, which was really... Um, really rewarding and fun to kind of be busy at a time when we were, there was really nothing else to do in the <laughs> right. restaurant. So yeah, it was just fun to kind of feel like we were, you know, just spinning our, you know, just, just working hard for a little bit was really fun. Um, but no, it, it's not going well. It was really hard. We've added, um, online ordering, we've added delivery. Um, we're, we're trying this, uh, picnic, um, concept is a pretty new idea that we're going to see if it has any legs before, the weather turns too cold. Mm-hmm. Um, we're there's a bunch of other things we've tried <laughs> that didn't work that I can't even remember. <laughs> um, but I just, uh, um, you know, nothing's worked great, obviously. So mm-hmm. there's not really a way to, um, there's not really a way for me to, you know, say what worked and what didn't. Um, well, we do have, you know, you, you mentioned the, the, the picnic concept, uh, which I thought was really, really cool. And it, I've, I've, I've had you on my list for months now to, to have you on the podcast. But when I saw that, I was like, that remind kind of put me put you at top of mind for me again uh, to get get on here, because I want to talk about that. It's it's a it's something I have not seen anybody else try. And maybe that's because not a lot of people have a grassy area right across from their restaurant. You have you have the good fortune of having that. Uh, we're about to enter a few um uh, hopefully months, uh, at least a, a number of weeks of, of decent weather. Um, so, so tell our guests how that works, because I, I know it's kind of a neat deal. You can, you can get scratch, uh, catered, a scratch catered picnic right across uh, the street from there. So, so talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the across the street thing, uh, didn't work out. I, oh, okay. I, I got a message that, that the church was going to, um, be able to use that lot. And there were too many complications on their side. Um, for to formally kind of do that, so it's it's we're still doing it. It's just going to be a pickup. Um, we will provide a frisbee, a soccer ball, and a football. We'll give you a picnic basket with food um, and that you chose from uh, the options which are on online, um, and some sanitizer and a blanket with these little cool little stakes that hold the four corners of the blanket down. <laughs> nice. um, so the idea is that you just pull up, call us. We will bring all that out to your car and send you on your way. And when your picnic's over, just drop it back off. Um, the blanket will take home and, and launder the blankets and uh, um, sanitize all the all the sporting equipment and be ready for the next person. Right now we can do, I think we got enough supplies to do 10 um, per day. So, um, you know, we just, we need about an hour's notice. Some of the menu items will take, you know, a little bit more than just normal time to prepare for a whole family. Um, so about an hour's notice, or you can even do it, you know, days in advance if you want to schedule it. So, um, we've had one, one person do it, um, and, uh, haven't got the feedback yet. He hasn't brought back the blanket yet <laughs> okay. in basket, but, um, 
he was uh he was really excited about it he was going on a date um you know some and being safe and going out outdoors yeah. and um he was really excited. We can't wait to hear back from him and hopefully get a lot more um, of those going this, this weekend and the weekends to come. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a great idea. Anybody listening that is trying to make, uh, you know, either win some, win some favor, win some points, either with a first date or, uh, or um, in their, in their, their marriage or long-term relationship, trying to, to make an impression. I, I know that that, uh, when I saw that, I was, I was like, Ooh, I can definitely get some points with my wife. If I do that, she, she's going to love that. So, uh, yeah. uh, she, she actually, she eats, she has to eat uh, gluten-free. So I was going to, um, I was going to have to call and make sure that I could get some gluten-free options, uh, in that picnic basket. But, uh, Oh yeah, we have, we have tons of options that are gluten-free. I mean, most of our foods, or gluten-free without, you know, as long as they're not a sandwich. So, right. Right. Um, nice. That we've got a ton of options. Well, you, you, you have my commitment right now that I will, uh, I'll, I'll sign up for one of those uh, coming up in the, in the next, awesome. next couple of weeks. Um, Great. so let's, uh, let's see what's, what's next on my list to talk about. I, uh, I, I do, um, I, I want to talk about this song because you know we we do this uh, this deal where um, where we where we uh, let the guest on on the podcast choose the song that play, is played under the end credits uh, and and I love the songs that we're getting recommended. Uh, you have uh, recommended a song that's close to your heart for for a particular reason. Tell us about what that song is that we're going to hear today and and really why you chose that one. Yeah, sure. Um, Leon Bridges just has such a sweet and poignant voice to me. I just, I'd love listening to his music and kind of getting lost in it. Um, right now, um, with, you know, trying to be a good citizen and really put yourselves in, in other people's shoes and understand the pain of other people. Um, and, and watching my daughter who's uh, recently turned 16 do the same. We, we both spoke, we, we were fortunate that one of her friends and a girl that I used to coach when I coached soccer, um, asked us both to speak at a Black Lives Matter rally at Andrews Park. Um, it was a really moving experience. It was to, to share that time, you know, standing by that microphone with my daughter was, it was incredible. Um, I'd never been more proud of her. Um, and then just to be part of um, that conversation and trying to lend whatever we can to it was just um, humbling and, and awe-inspiring at the same time. Um, so this this song just kind of, you know, kind of speaks to that pain a little bit. Um, you know, whether, whether you agree with what's going on across the country or, I mean, no, you know, no one agrees with, with death and violence, but, um, whether, however you feel about what's going on, um, you know, I, I would hope everyone would at least try to listen to, um, the people that have never had, um, or at least that they don't feel that they've ever had a justice system that's worked for them. So, um, just keeping that in mind and trying to keep um, my daughter focused, you know, it's fun to try to teach her, um, you know, that a, a social media post doesn't change the world. You know, <laughs> you're, you're going to have to, and, 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 and like I said, she's, a, she's attended some rallies and some marches and, and watching her become active in that way to something she believes in has just been uh, probably one of the greatest rewards of my life so far. Um, but she's and, and reminding her, she's got to stay with it when the, when the cameras are off and, uh, you know, when that, that group gets thrown a bone from the politicians, um, the people that stay with it and stay the course and really try to affect long-term change, um, it takes a lot of effort to be one of those people. 
That's, uh, as you mentioned, the song Sweeter by Leon Bridges that we'll hear here a little bit. Isn't it, isn't it neat? I, I, you know, you and I were born around the, around the same time. You're a couple years younger than I am. But, uh, you know, when I was in high school, the, the, the last thing on my, my mind was social causes, social <laughs> justice. I was, uh, that was not, but I have two seniors. I have a, a son and a daughter that are both uh, in their senior year at Norman North. You talked about your daughter who's a junior at Norman High. And the, the, mm-hmm. the youth today seems so much more involved and they care so much more uh, about, about those causes and justice and all these things that just didn't, just never crossed my mind. And maybe you, maybe you were way more involved in that, than, than I was, but it, isn't it encouraging uh, to see that out of our youth today? Oh yeah. I, I'm exactly there with you. No, I did. I had, that was never <laughs> in my mind at all. <laughs> Not for one second. Um, uh, no, I, you know, we want to, we want to, throw our phones and, and especially our kids' phones through the window half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing it, it's connected everyone to what's going on in the world. I mean, you saw it with um, the, the, the big, the, I can't even remember what was happening in Cairo, but mm-hmm. the only reason the world knew about it was that Twitter was let yeah. or Facebook yeah. live. That was the only way to get that video out. Um, right. And so people around the world actually saw what was going on. And that's what, that's what's happening right now. I think, you know, Will Smith said it best. It's, they didn't just start dying this way in the last 10 years. They just started getting recorded right, in the right. last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so our, our, our high school kid, I guess anyone with a phone and, a, and an Instagram account, really, they're seeing so much more now. Now it's irresponsible for us to think that they could see that content and form an opinion on their own. That's, that's real because there's so much um, bad content out there that right. we've got to watch. But um, I think that the the fact that they have, that much information at their fingertips has really helped um, that they can't, they can't turn a blind eye to that pain of other people. Like we, we just, I don't think we were really felt connected to other people when we were in high school. I mean, the news, I think the news was on for about an hour a night. Right. But we weren't home. <laughs> right. Yeah. We were, we were, we didn't, it was on for an hour and we weren't watching it. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't, we didn't have something in our pocket to watch it on either. Yeah. So um, I, I think that was just kind of a, or that is one of the benefits to to that you know conundrum of parenting right now with all these kids with phones, but at least they're connected, and some of them are really really taking a lot of these issues to heart. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Brady, it's been it's been a wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed getting to hear more about Scratch and and you and and, and all of these things. Uh, I would be remiss if I let you off uh, the the hook before I ask this final question that I ask of everybody that comes on the show. Besides your own restaurant, where is your favorite place mm-hmm. to go grab a bite to eat in Norman, and what do you like to get? Oh, there's, there's only a few places that we go regularly. Um, and, and I love them all kind of <laughs> equally. We love Targum, we love Targumara's. Um, Thanks, yeah. I, I love, I love the, I love the cold beer there uh, with the salt and lime. Mm-hmm. I love Pepe Delgado's. Emilio's got some really, really unique dishes over at Pepe's mm-hmm. and love to eat there. The super nachos are my favorite. Um, we, we live near the Mont, so we walk there a lot. Um, it's, you know, never known for great food, but we all have something there that we like. And, and, uh, so as a family, it's a really inexpensive place too, to go feed our giant family with, with some of their, especially when our kids are bringing friends along. So, um, 
Yeah, those are kind of the places you can yeah. tell they're geographically all near <laughs> where I live and yeah. work. So we, that's really where where we stay. Those are some much. those are some good spots. I you 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 say that about uh, the Mont's food, but I'll tell you what the pulled pork nachos at the Mont with a swirl right next to it. Oh I can't yeah, go wrong there. That's uh, that was exactly. my that was my birthday meal uh, last year, and hopefully we can get back out to restaurants uh, and, and dine in person um, and feel safe doing so by the time my birthday rolls around again because I'd love to do that do that one yeah um brady it's, it's like i said it's been a true pleasure I, I i can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today if if you'd like to share uh anything about scratch uh how to order online your website um i don't know text to order or or your your social media feeds anything you want to share right now to give people the opportunity to connect with scratch or you and as an individual please share that now Oh, I appreciate that. It's uh, on Facebook. We're Scratch Norman. That's where all of our events and specials are posted, um, where you can order online at eatscratch.com. Um, it's a really simple process. And if you want delivery, you just call us and, and make your order, and we'll bring it to you. Nice. Very good. Thanks again, Brady, for being a part of the podcast today. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you'd like to follow this podcast, you can do so on all of the social media feeds at I Am Norman Pod. Thanks for joining us, and stay tuned for many more episodes to come. Why do I feel skin dark tonight? The I Am Norman Podcast is brought to you by The Hall at the Railhouse. Norman's premier event space in the heart of downtown. When all of this is said and done and life gets back to normal, the one thing we'll all be looking to do is celebrate with our friends and families. Weddings, receptions, corporate events, luncheons, banquets, proms, parties, and more. If you're looking for a place to celebrate life, we hope you'll choose the Hall at the Railhouse. For more information, please visit therailhousenorman.com or call 405-778-778. 0003 Hoping for a life more sweeter Instead I'm just a story repeating Why do I feel skin dark tonight Can't feel peace with those judging eyes Yeah.